0: I want to thank you for just having the, the courage and the faith to come here. Yeah. Uh, come but also to have the courage and the faith to, to leave here yeah. with the lessons that you've learned from this, this weekend. Come on, yeah. Evan. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, on Friday night, we, we preached, Our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Saturday morning, uh, we got to hear Kevin preach, Come An uh, unauthorized fire. Wow. I have- oh,
1: that's all, no, don't want do
0: to of course, Kelly preached, give me oil for my lamp. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no.
1: oh, give me burning, burning, burning. What now, which,
0: I, I think is, which I think is probably the most country song in our songbook. Oh, give me oil for my lamp. Give me burning burning burning. Give me oil for my oh. oh. lamp.
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: and then last night we got to hear an incredible sermon. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: Refined by fun. Come on. Uh, thank you so much to those that have preached. Uh, thank you so much for all those who helped uh, put together the, the workshop here. Come on. And I hope that you guys feel like you're spiritually refreshed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not, a, not a retreat necessarily, but really a recharge. Yeah. And I pray that we're recharged from this weekend and ready to really go back to Toronto and, and change the city for the Lord. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: The title of our lesson this morning is his word is in my heart like fire.
1: Boom.
0: Open your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 20.
1: Come
0: his word is in my heart like fire okay. in Jeremiah 20 and verse 7 Jeremiah. Jeremiah speaks to God and we've done a lot of that this weekend haven't we yeah Come on. Hey. you deceived me Lord Oh, this isn't this isn't a <laughs> this isn't a prayer that's starting out very good you deceived me Lord and I was deceived He overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I said, I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name. His word is in my heart like fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, right here we find that this section of scripture is summarized by those who have compiled the Bible as Jeremiah's complaint. You ever have one of those prayers? Where you, it's just really more of a complaining yeah. session to God. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, we've had those prayers. You with me? Yeah, and exactly. It's true. And Jeremiah's complaint is very simple. He says, the word the Lord has brought me, through the word the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. That, that's the reality of somebody who preaches the word of God. But then he goes on in verse 9. He says, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name. His word is in my heart like fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, the events within the book of Jeremiah took place during his ministry, which occurred from 627 B.C. to 586 B.C. These were some of the most challenging times in Israel's history. Then they went through a period where they were in exile. Then they went through a period where their leadership was unspiritual and led them through despair, led them through a downward time or a downward spiral. And Jeremiah's calling, the very beginning of Jeremiah is where it starts, is in Jeremiah chapter 1. Turn with me there, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1. Come on, Wow,
1: Come on, Evan. Wow.
0: Come on, brother. Jeremiah chapter 1. I, I don't think we can fully understand where Jeremiah's heart was at without understanding a little bit of background about Jeremiah himself. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 1, we find these words written about him. He says, The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Enoth in the territory of Benjamin, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amnon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You know, here we find that Jeremiah was the son of a man named Hilkiah. The Bible records that God's word came to Jeremiah in the 13th year. Of the reign of Josiah. You know what? Well, who is Elkiah and who is Josiah? Well, I think that most of us are familiar with the overall picture of Israel's history. Israel was at the peak of its glory in 1000 BC, and who was king? David. David, David was king.
1: Come on.
0: After David came a, a time of peace with Solomon being the, the king of Israel in 950 BC. But after Solomon in 900 BC, the kingdom of Israel splits into two. The northern Israel uh, is led by uh, Jeroboam, and he takes the the upper ten tribes of Israel. And then southern Israel, or what's also known as Judah, is led by Rehoboam. And so at that time, Israel splits into two different nations, in a way. And, and, And it really started to kind of go downhill for God's people at that point. So much so that in 722 B.C., the Assyrians, led by Sinatra, come in through Israel and wipe out all of northern Israel. In fact, that at that time, throughout, throughout history, from, from this time forward, northern Israel ceases to exist from the history books. Mm-hmm. The Assyrians completely decimated them, wiped them out. They no longer existed. Wow. What most people don't realize is that the Assyrians also tried to wipe out southern Israel. But the king of southern Israel, king of Judah, was a guy by the name of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was a righteous man. And when Sennacherib came to Hezekiah and made threats against Judah, Hezekiah went and laid the letter before the Lord and prayed. Mm -hmm. That night, God sent a destroying angel. And the angel wiped out 185,000 a synaptrap's men in one single night. Right. The Bible records a synaptrap got up and saw all his men and he went right back to Nineveh never to come back to it. throne again. Uh, good choice. Uh, again.
1: Good
0: choice. Well, Hezekiah then has a son named Manasseh. Oh. Manasseh begins to lead in 697 B.C. And that's when things start to get really bad. Yeah. In fact, Manasseh's leadership is called the reign of terror. Oh. Oh. He was so evil so wicked that he's also the one who's attributed with Isaiah's death, the prophet Isaiah. The story has it that he persecuted the prophet Isaiah. <inaudible> and the prophet Isaiah ran from Manasseh and hid inside of a hollowed out tree. Manasseh, as wicked as he was, ordered that the tree be sawed in half with Isaiah still within it. Wow. And so most likely Isaiah was literally sawed in half wow. because he was a prophet for the Lord. But then Manasseh has a son named Amnon, and Amnon, like his king, or like his father, Manasseh, was equally as evil. But then after Ammon comes Josiah. Come on, Josiah. In 640 BC, Josiah becomes king at eight years old. Wow, hello. Wow. You know, I, my, my son is now eight years old. Oh, okay. Come on, Chase. <laughs> and Chase Chase is a very, very bright kid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, incredibly intelligent, incredibly talented. I love him to death. But I cannot imagine <laughs> my eight-year-old son leading an entire nation of people. No. Can you imagine this? That's what Josiah is. becomes king at just eight years, years wow. old. And unlike his father... And unlike his father's father, Josiah was a righteous king. Go to 2 Kings chapter 22. Come on, bro. 2 Kings. Kings chapter 22.
1: It's great already.
0: Beginning verse 1. Look at this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. <laughs> <laughs> And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. The later years were a lot better than the early years, I imagine. <laughs> his father's name was Jedidiah, son of Adiah. She was from Bosca.
1: Okay.
0: He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent a secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshudah, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah the high priest, and get him ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the man appointed to supervise the work in the temple, and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. The carpenters, the builders, and the masons, have them also purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple, but they need not account for the money entrusted to them, because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah, the high priest, Said to Shapon the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Wow. I mean, this is incredible. Right here, if you find in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. So at this point, Josiah is now 26 years old. Do we have anybody here that's 26 years old? We got Alex who's 26 years old. Wow. Come on, Alex. When Josiah was Alex's age, he goes, you know, we really got to fix up this temple. I mean, Manasseh just destroyed this thing. And then Amon was, was just as bad. And so we've got to really fix this thing up if we're going to be a righteous nation. And so he sends men to repair the temple, and rebuild the temple. And the man that was in charge was Hilkiah, the high priest. Huh. Well, what do you know? As they start to rebuild, according to verse 8, Hilkiah finds the book of the law. What does that say about the nation of Israel? They had lost the book of the law. Now remember, who was Hilkiah? The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah. Jeremiah was Hilkiah's son. Hilkiah was Jeremiah's dad. And so most likely, Jeremiah and Josiah grew up together. Is that incredible right there? And sadly, again, for 18 years of Josiah's reign, the book of the law had been lost within the temple. You know, we, we live in a generation where the book of the law, oh, man. the word of the law, has been lost yeah. in the temple. Wow. Millions around the world wow. believe that the answer to salvation is to be baptized as a little baby. Wow. Yeah. Millions around the world Believe that if you say a special prayer, one time in your life, and invite Jesus to come into your heart, on, that you will be saved. Come on, David. Millions around the world have been jaded by Christianity. They've turned to Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, or many other isms.
1: <laughs>
0: and still millions, even inside quote unquote Christianity, have invented other teachings because they weren't satisfied with God's Word. Mm. They've invented Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists. And all the while, God's Word, God's plan, and God's teaching has been lost
1: Mm.
0: in the temple. But but isn't that interesting? They were lost in the temple. Mm. It is interesting. That makes you wonder... Well, what were they doing in the temple this whole time? Mm. Playing guitars?
1: Uh-oh,
0: no, oh. guitars. <laughs> no, no guitars. No guitars. No guitars. You got a bunch of guitar Christians in the temple? Uh-oh. Oh. I mean, think about that for a second. What were they? What were they doing in the temple? They had no reference. They had nobody preaching the word of God. There was no word of God. Were they just playing church in the temple? Wow. You see, sadly, we live in a generation where so many are just playing church. Aww. Just a bunch of guitars, singing some awesome songs,
1: kumbaya.
0: some kumbaya, a- and that's the extent of their relationship with God. Let's dive a little deeper. Let's go to Jeremiah 52. Come, <laughs> come on, Evan. Oh, come on. This is good, Evan. Come, with you, Evan. come on, bro. This great, bro. Jeremiah 52. See, we're, we're not playing church. No. no don't, don't do it. it. I hope you understand, that I'm serious about what we're doing here. Come on, Rob. And I hope you, likewise, are just as serious. Yeah. Come on,
1: babe. Let's go. Cool. We're
0: with you, I, bro. I think in some ways, sometimes God has to put a little fire in your life so that he can test you to see if you are serious. Woo! Ho, ho, ho. That's very true, bro. In Jeremiah 52 and verse 1, the Bible says, Zedekiah was 31 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother's name was Hamithul, Daughter of Jeremiah. Oh, hello. Wow. This is incredible. Now we find out that Jeremiah had a, had a daughter, Hamathal. So Jeremiah wasn't this single guy Praise God. like you might have imagined. Well, Jeremiah good. most likely was a married guy. And he had a daughter named Hamathal. And, and, and she became the mother of Zedekiah, who, who in and of himself is another character that we won't discuss today. So Jeremiah has a daughter, Hamathal. Hamathal becomes Zedekiah's mom. Well, why is that significant? We'll go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 3. Oh, here we go. 1 Chronicles 15. chapter 3. This is a Bible study. Come on, bro. Verse 15. I, I haven't gotten into my points yet. I hope you guys are ready.
1: Come, come, come on, Ready to go. Yeah, come on,
0: bro. Oh, bro. got all day, bro. <laughs> this is a great nugget, bro. Look at this. 1 Chronicles 3, verse 15. The sons of Josiah. Johanna, the firstborn. Jehoiakim, the second son. Zedekiah, the third son. Wow. So Zedekiah, his mom was Jeremiah's daughter, and his dad was Josiah. So therefore, Josiah married Jeremiah's daughter, Hamathal, and Jeremiah became Josiah's father-in-law. Whoa. Whoa. Is that incredible!
1: <laughs> in
0: fact, many scholars believe that the reason Jeremiah wrote Lamentations was because Josiah died in 609 B.C. and he was heartbroken, and so he read this book of laments, Lamentations, because of Josiah's death. Is that incredible? Wow. Well, you go, well, why do, I, why do I share all this with us? I mean, it's kind of cool. It's cool Bible nuggets for you with me. It's cool to see how the Bible all fits together. But what does, this, what does this have to do with our lesson? Why did Jeremiah have God's word in his heart like fire? Because he lived in a time where there was no word of God. He lived in a time where the word of God was lost in the temple. He saw the destruction of God's people. And so therefore, he understood exactly what would happen if he stopped preaching the word of God. On, and so he goes, you know, it's a temptation. i thought about it. I've, I've considered giving up preaching the word of God. It's brought me nothing but pain and sorrow and hardship. But how can I do that if I fail to preach the word of God? Amen. It will be in my heart like fire, oh. on, a fire shut up in my bones. I've got three points for us this morning. Come, on. Come on, Evan. And they're all centered around three complaints that Jeremiah makes with God. Mm. Our first point is created to preach. Our second point is called to preach. And our third point is compelled to preach. Let's go to our first point. Come on. Jeremiah chapter 1. Come on, Come on, bro. Bro. Created to preach. You were created to preach on, God's word. Amen. In Psalms, the Bible says that all of creation proclaims the glory of God. Amen. That God created the world that the world itself, God's creation itself, would preach about God. You are a part of God's creation. And therefore, as part of God's creation, we as people were created to preach the very word of God. Amen. Wow, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. Complaint number one. What the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth, and he said to me, I have put words in your mouth. See, today I have pointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Verse 17. Get yourself ready. Wow! Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Oh. Today I have made you a fortified city, nine pillar and bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Oh. What an amazing scripture. God comes to Jeremiah and he goes, Look, before I even formed you in the womb, before you were a thought in your parents' mind. Wow. A- and maybe even a surprise in your parents' mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: because I already planned you. I already put together your DNA. I already had in mind who you were going to be. Personality and all. Yeah, believe it or not, God actually planned Nero. Wow, no way! <laughs> God planned Nero. Wow. Miracle. Come on, Nero. I mean, how he was gonna look? That that nice low, oval-shaped head, with the troll poof on the top. Of my head.
1: God,
0: God, God put together your DNA. God put together your circumstances. That God planned out your entire life. Is that awesome? But the Bible says that God did this. Because he was preparing and planning for Jeremiah to preach. Jeremiah, like you, was created to preach. You know, and I forget, when I was uh, in elementary school, uh, the school that I went to, I went to private Bible school for for the majority of my younger life. And when I got to high school, I went to public school. And I was fortunate to to be put in that that private school. to have a, a basic foundation of the Bible put inside of me. And one of the things that my school uh, was kind of known for in our small town was, was doing school plays. And so the, the, the guy that was in charge of our, our school, the principal, he was a great you know theatrical guy or I don't know, an artistic person and he'd always kind of created and, and put together these amazing plays. And so uh, he was putting together one of these plays and, and so he, he was trying to, to figure out who wanted to be a part of the play and who he was going to put into the play and, and it was a, a pretty big production. And I never really cared to act, and I didn't really want to be an actor or anything like that, but but I found out that if you were in the play, that you could practice for the play while school was happening, you could get out of school. <laughs> so I was like, sign me up, baby. I'm going to go. I want to be in that play. And I'll never get this because um, the play at the end of it, I had I had I'd been finally selected and given a very, very small role in the play. Uh, at the end of the, the, the play, there's a scene where uh, we were in a courtroom, and I was supposed to be a corrupt juror that had uh, taken money or taken a bribe to give a verdict. And at the end of the play, I was found out and I was accused and I stand up and I run out of the room. That was my own. I had no lines in the whole play. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget this because, you know, we, we practice and all that stuff. But it was time, it was time for opening night. And again, it was a pretty big production that our school put on. Be- beautiful, amazing play. And it was time for opening night, and I was out back with some of the other actors and the stagehands and all those that were preparing for the play, and one of the guys, the stage crew, was was messing with a can of black spray paint. And as he was messing with it, it literally exploded, and, and paint went all over my face. I mean, it was in my face, black. I'm talking about, like, black paint. And I was a pretty white guy, so I was like two-faced, you know, like white and black. And I had, I, had, I had paint everywhere. I mean, it was in my hair. It got a little bit on my clothes. It had gotten in my hair. And it was stuck all over me. Now, this was right before the play was started. <laughs> Opening night. I'm going a role in this play. <laughs> and so here I am. I'm looking like 2 faced i got half my face is black. And, and he's freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? And, and then he, he's looking for something to, to wipe the, the paint off. And, and he, he remembers that. Gasoline actually removes paint. So he found a can of gasoline, and so he, he douses a rag in gasoline, and starts wiping off the paint. And, and literally, like, you know, it spent we spent probably a good hour wiping off and getting the paint off of my face. It was still in my hair, but at least it was off my face, and you couldn't see it as much. But I smelled so much like gas. Yes, now, thankfully, nobody was smoking in this play. If somebody had been smoking, I was probably the most combustible thing in the entire building. I would have just erupted in fire. But we, we And we got everything off just in time for me to go up on stage and do my little part at the end of the play. But, but I was so thrilled just to get that, that stain, that black off of my face because I had a role to play. You know, when I think about this, it occurs to me, that God likewise has a role for you to play. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: You were created to preach. You were purposed to preach. God designed your circumstances, your life, your situation, your personality, your character, everything about you so that you could preach. And when you understand that you've been given a role by God, mm-hmm. you do everything you can to remove the stain, the stain of sin that prevents us from preaching the word of God wholeheartedly. Amen. You know, what was, what was holding Jeremiah back? He goes, God, I don't, I don't know how to speak. And by the way, I'm way too young. You know, I find that his statement right here in verse 6. A last summer, Lord, I said I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. To be very ironic. Th- just think about this for a second. He uses the word alas. (laughs) Alas our Lord! They're praying a long time for this conversation. It's implied that he was waiting for God to answer him for quite some time. Finally, God answers, but then he doesn't like what God says. Alas! (laughs) I'm waiting a long time for this. I guess I'll keep waiting for something else. He uses the word sovereign. Alas, Sovereign Lord! Well, we understand that to acknowledge God's sovereignty is to acknowledge the fact that everything that happens in life, God has either made happen or allowed to happen. (laughs) And yet, Jeremiah goes on to explain that he's too young to preach. (laughs) Alas, Sovereign Lord! You made a mistake. (laughs) And thirdly, he uses the word Lord. Alas, Sovereign Lord! It implies that Jeremiah has given complete control over his life to God. And yet when God calls him, he's not quick to answer. Mm. Wow. God goes on and goes, do not say, I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. You know, I think right here God identifies the real reason why Jeremiah was asked to preach. Had nothing to do with the circumstance. Had nothing to do with the situation, his personality, his character, his age. It had everything to do with the simple fact that Jeremiah was afraid. Boom. Boom. And God just goes, do not be afraid of them, Jeremiah. I will be with you. Amen. You know, I find that when someone is afraid to preach, everything is a reason not to preach. Yeah. I'm too young. I'm too old. I can't do it like I used to do when I was in the campus. Well, I'm an introvert. I'm not like Kevin Hedrick over here. Can't stop talking. <laughs> oh,
1: gee. <laughs> Come, Come on, bro.
0: I'm too busy. Too tired. Bro, you don't understand. I got a family with kids. Well, Jeremiah had hematol.
1: Mm. Oh,
0: yeah. Wow. What's your excuse? <laughs> no. What's your excuse? Come on. You were created to preach. You know, uh, a couple months ago, in late October, uh, I was tagged on to an email that was sent from Blaise Fumba to uh, Kip. And his email read these words. He says, Dear Kip, I just received a text message from Amadou, who is presently locked in jail with Diage. They have gathered 140 of the people they are currently studying the Bible with when some policemen broke into the room with guns and arrested them. They arrested Amadou and Diogène with no notice and they threw them in jail. The devil is attacking, but we are more than victorious in Christ. Please pray for the situation to bring a greater glory to the Lord. Much loved place. Come on. Do you realize that people are being put in prison for preaching? Mm-hmm. What was exciting is that I got another email shortly after that. This was in Bajumbra, Africa. Next week, Yep. We had 200 visitors next Sunday. <laughs> and we saw 40 people baptized. Wow. wow. And by the way, all the brothers got out of the prison too. <laughs> Praise God. I love them. What's holding you back from preaching? I mean, we have it so easy. Do we not? Come yeah. on. Come on, bro. Oh, there's coronavirus. <laughs>
1: coronavirus.
0: You mean to tell me that you might die? Good. hmm
1: Come
0: on, bro. You're to go to heaven. Come on, bro. bro. Oh! Come on, bro. Straight up.
1: Straight
0: up. Whoa. I guess. I guess. You know. I guess coronavirus. You know, you're right. What the brothers and sisters did in the first century doesn't quite compare to coronavirus. You know, like having their kids being fed to lions and things like that. Right. I can see how coronavirus is much worse than that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You might, believe it or not, you might actually get a fever. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Evan. No,
1: I'm so. <laughs> <I've> done. <it. laughs>
0: Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I mean, I'll just I don't want to downplay coronavirus. It is very serious. Yeah. And there are there are people that are dying. And there has been people that have died. There's been a disciple that's died. In New York, there's a brother named Mark who died of coronavirus. I don't want to downplay it, but I'm just saying at the end of the day, are you afraid to preach the word of God? Yeah. Come on, bro. Are you afraid to preach the word of God?
1: Come
0: on, bro. It's not about too young, too old, too much virus, too little virus. Lockdowns, government says this, government says that. Are you going to be a preacher of the word of God? Amen. You were created to preach the word of God. And we need to make a decision to accept that God has created you to preach. Your childhood, your upbringing, your experiences are purposed by God. Our situation, coronavirus or not, is purposed by God. And we are called to preach the word of God. The word that has been lost for so many people for so long so that we can save people souls. Imagine. We are created to preach. And number two, we are called to preach. Oh. Jeremiah on, 12. Jeremiah 12.
1: Come on, Evan.
0: Jeremiah 12. Come on, bro. This is great. First one. Here we find Jeremiah's second complaint. You know, Jeremiah, I relate to because I love to complain. I can push through a lot, but I, I can't say that I always push through with the best attitude. <laughs> and right here, Jeremiah was going through quite a bit. And so we find these words, Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1, he says, You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring the case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Oh, oh no. Oh, uh, got we have to have a conversation. I'm a little concerned about your justice levels. Oh, my God. <laughs> never saw that. Yeah. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? you ever ask that question? Yes. 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 Why is it just so stinking hard to be a disciple? It's a great question. You know, I think that... Uh, I've heard a lot of. Well, 2020 was a hard year. <laughs> you know, honestly, honestly, for me, so was 2019. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's hard. But you know, as I think about it, 2018 was pretty hard too. Yeah. 2017 was hard too. Yes. Yeah, that's that's when Rich got baptized. Whoa. Well, <laughs> 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 <inaudible>
1: <inaudible> <inaudible> <laughs> you know,
0: I, I'll be honest, I don't remember there being one easy year I've had as a disciple. <laughs> come on. That's so true. Now oh. we know why we complain. Mm. And we have bad attitudes.
1: Yeah.
0: You're expecting an easy year. Yeah.
1: Mm. Come, on, bro.
0: Well, uh, come on. I think we need to embrace a simple fact. And this is what I, I really. Just write this down. I am. There will never Ever ever ever. Hmm. ever, 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 be an easy road to heaven. Can you repeat that?
1: <laughs>
0: there will never be an easy road for preaching. We will never have the ideal circumstances for evangelizing the city of Toronto. Come on. Wow. Or Montreal, or Ottawa, or Vancouver, or anywhere in Canada, or anywhere in the world. And here's the truth. If it's Jesus, it's gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's not Jesus, it's gonna be easy. Ooh.
1: Wow, come on.
0: That's the thing that's the truth. Yeah. It is gonna be hard. It's gonna be 2020 was just the appetizer. <laughs> <laughs> appetizer. 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 That, that's it. That's it. Accept it now. Mm-hmm. And it's good that it's gonna be hard. Because that's going to call us higher, and it's going to call our relationship with God higher. Mm-hmm. That we're going to have to rely more and more and more and more and more on God. Mm-hmm. And as it gets hard, that God is going to give us the strength to push through. Amen. And we're going to see yeah. so many miracles happen. Amen. But it's yeah. not going to be easy. Yeah. If it's easy, it's not Jesus. You, bro. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see what happens. Here's God's answer to Jeremiah's complaint, verse 5. Right. We're with
1: you, bro. Oh, no.
0: If you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, Bruh. how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? You know, this is, this is, I think, one of the coolest scriptures in the whole Bible. Yeah, true. If you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? But you know, I've I, I always kind of had a problem with this scripture. <laughs> And I thought about this one time, and somebody shared it with me. I go, well, who said I wanted to race with horses? <laughs> I never committed to that. I thought racing was with men is hard enough.
1: I never committed to that.
0: Okay, so I guess I'll just race with men for the rest of my life. No problem. If that makes it easier. But you know, I was reading this, and it, it occurred to me. I, I never really considered the second part of that verse. If you stumble in sand country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Now, I've always kind of pictured thickets and, and what that meant as is, is like rough terrain, where there's a lot of weeds or something. And, and you can just picture somebody trying to like hack through a bunch of weeds and oh, they're just yeah. get stuck in the thickets. Yeah. Well, actually, as, as I was reading this, I started studying it out and I realized that's not at all what this is saying. Mm-hmm. In fact, turn with me to Zechariah chapter 11. Come on, Evan. Oh, buddy. The thickets by the Jordan. Well, what is the thickets by the Jordan? Mm. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 1. I'm curious, bro. You'll find the prophet Zechariah speaking. And he says, Open your doors, Lebanon. Some of you guys are still trying to find Zechariah. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: the, the book of the law has been lost in the temple in your mind. Is <laughs> before or after Revelation? <laughs> Zechariah chapter 11, verse 1. Come on, bro. Open your doors, Lebanon so that the fire may devour your cedars. No, well, you, juniper, for the cedar has fallen. The stately trees are ruined. What does that mean? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oaxaboshan, the dense forest has been cut down. Listen to the wail of the shepherds. The rich pastures are destroyed. Listen to the roar of lions. The lush thicket of the Jordan is ruined. Mm. Some translations of Jeremiah use the word pride, the pride of the thickets. Why? Because the thickets are where the lions live. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. And so right here, what, what God was telling Jeremiah is, bro, if you can't hack it in the same country, how are you going to cut it when you're around the area where the lions live? Wow. Now, we understand in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour so at first you go, wow, I never really said that I wanted to run with horses. But, but, but now God's not talking about a simple competition of racing with men versus racing with horses. Now he's talking about life or death. Mm-hmm. If you can't hack it in safe country, what happens when I put you around the light? What happens when Satan really goes after you?
1: Oh. Wow. Oh, you? Well done. Well done.
0: Are you going to have what it takes to push through?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You see, oftentimes we don't choose our hardships. We don't choose the challenges of our lives. Mm. Sometimes God puts lines in your lives. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Sometimes He allows Satan to tempt you mm. and test you. And He can't hack it in safe country. How will you manage in the thickets of the Jordan? You know, uh, our pledge drive is going to be a challenge. Come on, bro. Come on. I, I shared on Friday night my-, my feeling about it. Come on, Evan. Oh man, I've gone through so many blood drives. Yeah. Bring it on. My budget has gotten tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm. Now I do believe that we live in a first world country, yeah. and although we don't have the challenge of having to be put in prison for preaching, I think this is really our challenge. Yes,
1: come
0: on. To sacrifice financially. Yes. To give up our comforts. Yes. So that the word of God can be preached. Come on, come on, bro. In a, a, as I look at what needs to happen for our church to continue to progress and move forward and to do all that we need to do. I believe that we need to raise four, $400 more per week through our pledges. Well, what, what does that break down to? Well, you guys can do the math. Our church is about 40 people. 400 divided by 40 is? 10.
1: 10
0: 20. 10. If you want to give 20, that's that's great. Kevin's volunteered to give 20. Nice. It, Come on it down breaks right down to roughly $10, $10 per person. Come yeah. on. And so together, what's important is we raise this money collectively. So the way that we've broken the, the pledge drive down, and this is going to be our pledge goal. Now, maybe your circumstance is such that you can't afford the goal. Amen. Hopefully somebody else can make up for the gap that's left there. No Amen. problem. We're going to do this as a team together.
1: Come on, Evan. Yeah. Maybe
0: you've been blessed with a circumstance where you're making more money, and so $10, 15 20 is not really a big deal to you. Maybe you can jump at $30 or $40. Come on, bro. Well, well, I'm asking you to do that because as a goal, collectively, we need to hit $400. You with me? Come on, but the goal that we we want to put before the church is that every married person raise their mission or excuse me their, their weekly pledge ten dollars. And so therefore, as a couple, we raise our pledge twenty dollars. Okay. That's a challenge for you, that's a challenge for me. Yes, it is. That means we raise our pledge twenty dollars as well. Amen? And our income does not change, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't raise the pledge and then increase my income. That <laughs> works. No. I wish my bro.
1: Yeah.
0: As a single in the singles ministry, our challenge is for you to raise your weekly pledge fifteen dollars. Oh my gosh, bro, I can't, I can't do it. A- amen. Maybe you're not in the circumstance where you could do it. Let's talk about it. Let's get together with somebody. Let's, let's pray through it. But let's try to work together as a group to meet those goals. Okay. And as a campus ministry person that most don't have jobs or income, my my challenge is for you to raise your contribution five dollars. Come on, bro. Just five dollars. I believe that if the married couples raise a contribution $20 per couple, $10 per individual, the singles raised theirs by $15 and the campus by $5, what will we'll meet, meet our $400 increase goal. You with me right here, guys? Yeah. yeah. You go, well, bro, that's hard. Well, yeah. It's Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Come on. If it's not hard, it's not what? Jesus. It's not Jesus. Come on, bro. And we are called to preach the word of God, and therefore we are called to raise the money to preach the word of God. Our last point. Oh, bro, bro, bro. Our last point: compelled to preach. Come, Come on, bro. On, Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah's last complaint. Yeah. Are
1: you sure? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you yeah. sure? Jeremiah would later die faithfully in Egypt. Praise God. Oh, the Bible doesn't record that he converted a single person. Wow. Good man. He spent his whole life preaching.
1: Dang.
0: And being persecuted. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Give credit where credit is due. Oh. In Jeremiah 20, verse 7, Jeremiah says, You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. You ever feel like that when you're showing your faith? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention His word or speak any more in His name, His word is in my heart like fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. You know, as I I, I think about this scripture. You know, one of the things that, that stands out to me is that Jeremiah actually contemplated stopping or to, to stop, to quit preaching the word of God. Come on, because, You know, if I say, I won't mention it. You can almost sense that he's considering it as he writes it. Yeah. If I say, I just stop preaching. If I if I do that, I already know what's gonna happen. The word of the Lord is going to be in my heart like fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't hold it in. I have to preach. You know, I I, I was so moved by seeing Just preach last yeah. week. Come on. It's one thing to preach when circumstances are not so hard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But when you go through what you've gone through as a preacher or what Jislaine has gone through as a preacher, you start to consider never preaching the word of God again. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't know, but I would guess that that's probably something that Ghislaine considered once or twice. At the same time, though, when you're called to preach, you're called to preach. Yep. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: And to see him preach last night was
1: so
0: great. It literally brought tears to my eyes. still does bring tears to my eyes. Mm. He
1: considered
0: it, but no. God's calling is God's calling. No matter what you've gone through, we are called to preach. You know, uh, the church has been organized and put into new Bible talks. Come on, bro. Mm. Come on, bro. Don't know how you feel about your Bible talk. Fired up. I been pretty fired up about my Bible talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm excited to get in there with the singles ministry. Come on, Let's go. Come on, let's go. have had a blast with the marriage ministry
1: yeah, yeah. come on Mary uh, we've, we've spent on, a lot Mary. of
0: time in the campus Bible talks uh, over the last few years yeah come on and, oh man, uh, huh? and uh, you know the one Bible talk that we really haven't spent a whole lot of time with those singles Bible talk
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and so we're so excited to get into the singles Bible talk come on bro and uh, you know it's it's awesome to think that we're going to have a, a new marriage Bible talk led by Jislaine and Elizabeth Webber Jislaine oh. oh. has been called to preach Say once you're called, uh-huh. you don't get uncalled. He's called to preach. That's true. And now he's leading again a group of disciples. Praise God. We're going to get to have Tony and Vita lead their Bible talks. And then we have uh, two incredible campus Bible talks. I mean, literally, they're are led by full time couples. Come on, Isaiah. Uh, Liz oh. and Isaiah, for the first time ever, are going to get a chance to lead together. Yay! Well, you know what that means? That means that we're going to have a lot of juicy knee time.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's going to be incredible. Uh, Kevin and Brittany, of course, have already yeah! done a phenomenal job.
1: <laughs>
0: and they're going to lead uh, full-time. They're, they're, two, they're Bible talk, right. a, as well as oversee uh, Liz and Isaiah's Bible That's talk. Right. Come on. And I think this is going to be incredible. But I want to put something out there for you. If you're in our church, you're, you're not a part of just Lane's Bible talk. You're not a part of Tony's Bible talk. Or Evan and Kelly's Bible talk, or Kevin's Bible talk, or Isaiah's Bible talk, or Liz's Bible talk, or Brittany's Bible talk. That's not what you're a part of. Just true, bro. You're not a part of someone's Bible talk. go you know, what am I a part of? Well, go to Second Corinthians chapter five. Oh, come, come on, on. Oh, buddy. Oh, stop. Tell us, bro. Second Corinthians chapter five. We'll close here. Come on, Evan.
1: This
0: is great, juicy. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. All right, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. I hope you get it. We're not trying to commit ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, and people do say that, <laughs> Don't think that you're gonna be a cool Christian. <laughs> yeah. There is no such thing as a cool Christian. No, right. If you're a real Christian, <laughs> yeah. people are gonna think you're out of your mind. Yeah. Come on, bro. What are they spending their money on? They just went up to a retreat in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic? What's wrong with these people? hmm That's true. They are gonna think that you are out of your mind. Yes. Kelly was accused of brainwashing somebody recently. Oh wow. Yes. Look Look at that. And we do brainwash people. Because there's a lot of junk that needs to be washed out of people's minds. Straight <laughs> up? <laughs>
1: Not us, the Bible. I
0: don't Straight know about you, but I was brainwashed. My brain was messed up. It had to be washed clean. All the junk was in my brain. <laughs> if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Amen. Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. See, we don't see each other as mere people anymore. That's a worldly way of thinking. We regard each other as brothers and sisters in the family of God and fellow preachers of the gospel. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. Thank God Nero's old creation is gone.
1: Praise God.
0: Nero's old self is long gone. Anyway, thank God. Thank God. You're awesome, bro. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled the world or has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him, thank God. And he has committed to us as he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Amen. I hope that you've gotten a chance to get reconciled to God. Mm -hmm. If there is something holding you back, do not leave the Stokoe Lake Lodge without being reconciled to God. Amen. God made him who had no sin to be sent for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It doesn't say that we will be righteous. It says that as disciples we become the righteousness of God. Isn't that awesome? As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of salvation I helped you, I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Mm -hmm. You know right here the Bible says that Christ's love compels us. We're not compelled by man. We're not compelled by money. We're not compelled by position, by praise, by power. We're compelled by love. Amen. We're compelled by Christ's love. It moves us. It motivates us. It drives us what, to do what? The Bible says he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. You see, we as disciples are compelled to preach. We're compelled to preach. And so therefore, it's not just Lane's Bible talk, Tony's Bible talk, Isaiah's Bible talk, Kevin's Bible talk, my Bible talk, Kelly's Bible talk, listen. It's your Bible talk. Amen. Mm. Amen. Amen. It's your Bible talk. It is true. Great job. We all are ministers of reconciliation. And the question you've got to ask yourself is if God's is God's word in your heart like fire? A fire shut up in your bones. Because if it is. You will understand that you were created to preach. That you were called to preach. And finally you will be compelled to preach. You know, over the lockdown, I, I've had a chance to watch a lot more movies than I would typically watch. And one of the one of the, the movies that came on that that I was inspired by was the the, the musical Hamilton.
1: Oh. Oh. oh
0: and if you haven't seen it, it's an incredible thing. There is some cursing in it, so please be careful. Whoops. But there's a number of incredible songs, the, the, the I don't know, theatrical portion of the, it's, it's an incredible musical, it really is. And the musical is really centered upon uh, one of the U.S. founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton. He was historically the first Secretary of the Treasury. He came up with the way that the U.S. budgets and runs their financial system. That, that's what he was accredited for. He fought alongside George Washington and helped interpret and establish the U.S. Constitution. But he was eventually killed in a duel with Aaron Burr.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I've got to be honest. I knew I absolutely nothing about Alexander Hamilton other than the fact that he was on our U.S. $10 bill. Oh, $10. Not a $6 $10 bill. $10. It was a $10 no, no, bill. Not a $6. You to wah-wah. I want to read you a portion of two songs that was in the, the musical. The first song was early on in the musical, and it, it was called History Has Its Eyes On You. And the latter part of the musical, when, when everything's sort of being summed up and summarized, he sings, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? And, and they really kind of connect together. The words go like this. Let me tell you I, I wish what I wish I'd known. When I was young and dreamed of glory, you have no control. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? I know that we can win. I know that greatness lies in you. But remember from here on in, history has its eyes on you. History has its eyes on you. Let me tell you what I wish I'd known. When I was young and dreamed of glory, you have no control. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story? And when you're gone, who remembers your name? Who keeps your flame? Who tells your story? Who tells your story? Who tells your story? I put myself back in the narrative. I stopped wasting time on tears. I'll live another 50 years. It's not enough. I interview every soldier who fought by your side. She tells her story. I try to make sense of your thousand pages of writings. You really do write like you're running out of time. I ask myself, what would you do if you had more time? The Lord, in his kindness, he gives me what you always wanted. He gives me more time. I raise funds in D.C. for the Washington Monument. She tells my story. I speak out against slavery. You could have done so much more if you only had time. And when my time is up, have I done enough? Will they tell your story? Oh, can I show you what I'm proudest of, the orphanage? I established the first private orphanage in New York City, the orphanage. I helped to raise hundreds of children. I get to see them growing up the orphanage. In their eyes, I see you, Alexander. I see you every time. And when my time is up, have I done enough? Will they tell your story? Oh, I can't wait to see you again. It's only a matter of time. Will they tell your story? Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story? Will they tell your story? Will they tell your story? story? You know, for us, as disciples, in the middle of a pandemic, we need to understand that we can't control who lives or who dies. Mm-hmm. That's true. But we can certainly control that our story is told.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Come, on. Come on. And the
0: question I want to ask you, as we understand that history has its eyes on us, yeah. is who's going to tell your story? Your story. Your story. I love you guys. God bless. Yeah.